Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are I'm a little sore. I've been running again, so mind me. <laughs> that was planned. No, you, I saw a video of one guy that fell, and I, I was ready for it. I would have done, I would have done ten push-ups when I would have fallen, and I would have stood up. And you guys see that one? No. Well, uh, I feel good today. I was able to wake up early today, and and I, and I ran, and uh, I'm trying to take care of my body again. Amen. Amen. Take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. I went through a slump after surgery, but I got to get back to it, so just take care of yourselves. I want to share something today with you guys, and I wanted to come down here. I almost set up the church a little bit differently today, uh, but I have a mic here. Maybe I'll, I'll pass the mic unless you guys could scream out loud, but maybe the mic for the sake of recording, for recording reasons, but just a little bit different of a, of a gathering. Uh, I kind of want to do like if uh, um, we could just have conversations if we were having dinner together or coffee together or just like fellowship. So that's, that's why I was going to set it up differently and walk around you guys. So for those that are going to watch this or are watching this on YouTube, it may be a little bothersome to them because I might be walking. So there's going to be moments where I won't be on the screen. And that's fine. You don't have to follow me around. I'll try to stay here. But the moments that I'm here, you guys just be part of today. We, we appreciate you guys. But I, I want to share a, a little bit because um, I'm sure that as we, as we get into this, and I started thinking about it. I said, wow, this is going to be an interesting Sunday. And I was speaking to some of my pastor friends. And I said, what are you preaching on this Sunday? <laughs> what are you preaching on this Sunday? Because Sundays like this, are, it's like the Sunday after 9-11. That's an interesting Sunday here in the United States, right? Uh, like that Sunday after COVID, like COVID, like that was an interesting Sunday. Like how do we, what do we say? So I figured that today was going to be an interesting Sunday for, for many churches and many pastors. Um, and they're taking a moment, they're taking time to, to just share and to speak, as I guess we would say, the elephant in the room. It's already been mentioned twice in today's service. We haven't mentioned Israel here, I think, since our last trip. And today we've already mentioned it twice. So it's obvious that churches all over, pastors, and they're going to be speaking about Israel today. And they're going to be speaking about the war today. And um, I thought about that, and that's why I asked some pastor friends, and I said, today's going to be a little bit different, where it won't be like a sermon. I hope it could become more of a conversation. We'll see what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. But I started thinking about this, and the news was mentioned today. But the news, I, I, I've come to learn this, especially in the last four years or so. The news does a great job of bombarding us with images and updates that they want us to hear and that they want us to see. I've learned that and I've done research on the news to know to not be so, to never go crazy again because of the news. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, good. Because I know personally a lot of people that have never been the same because of the news. All right. So there is no covering up and there is no reason to move on like, okay, what should I preach? Let's continue talking about harvesting or whatever without ignoring like what's really happening and what's really going on. Uh, we may not fully understand the true significance. Like, let's pause here, and this is why I have the mic. 
Like, I'll give you the mic. Like, what really is happening in Israel? Like, we may not really know the true significance of what's going on in the world. Like, what's really happening? Lou knows the, the true significance. Awesome. Sure. Like, detail behind the scenes, behind the curtains, meetings between. Hello, hello. So anybody that knows me knows my heart is very close to Israel. We've gone many times with the church. I've been there personally three times. Um, I have a lot of friends over there that are Jewish, obviously. I have a lot of friends even here that are Jewish, um, and I support them. And I, I believe that Israel has a right to defend itself, and I'll always defend that. Um, but I think what's going on over there stems back to the Old Testament and all the way back to Abraham. And I want to say even all the way back to Cain and Abel. It almost feels to me like it's generational curses of two brothers fighting. And it's um, Isaac and Ishmael. So Isaac would be the Jewish people and Ishmael would eventually stem um, Islam and, and the Muslims. Um, but what I see going on over there in Israel, it's, it's sad, you know. It's, it's easy to take sides and say, oh, Israel and Palestine and which one you support. But really when you look at it, it's a family fight. Yeah. And it's two brothers that are fighting. And it's, it's sad, you know, because if you, if you look at the heart of Christ, you look at the heart of God, um, Christ says to pray for your enemies and to love your enemies. And it's, it's yeah, you've got to defend yourself in war, and there comes a time where you have to, and even throughout history, Israel has always had the right to defend itself against its enemies. But I almost wonder what it would look like if they just saw each other as brothers and that seems like a fantasy, you know, that's like, it's not going to happen, you know. And I don't even know if it will happen because Bible prophecy and all of that. But um, I don't know. I, I even see in the Old Testament, I was reading the scripture because I was wondering earlier today, I was like, does it say anywhere in the Old Testament to love your enemies? Or is that like a New Testament thing? Because I know Jesus says it, but do the Jews believe that too? Or is it kind of just Christians? So I found a verse in, in Proverbs um, and it says, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. Or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. So it, it does say things in the Old Testament, you know. Um, so I don't know, it's just very interesting. It's very complicated. It's hard to, to say who's right and who's wrong. It's just, um, I just wish that the, the love of God would just shine through it all and yeah. somehow... I mean, what would it look like if, if the Jew? I mean, you'll say they'll, they'll get killed, but what would it look like for Jewish missionaries to cross over and show, show love? You know, how, how would that transform Palestinian communities? Where, where are people being drawn to God, you know, in, in this whole situation? I, I think it's just a lot of war, a lot of hate, a lot of... Um, and it, yeah, like I said, it's complicated, you know, so... Amen. Good, good. Let's give you a hand. That's not planned. This is what we'll do today. Things like this. All right? So open up your heart and see maybe the Lord wants you to share something. So think about this, some of the things that he just said, and think about, yes, there is a lot of complications, and some of those complications, do we even really know them in detail? So we do know the overall significance biblically and spiritually and what happened throughout the Old Testament and some of the words from Christ and the apostles in the New Testament. But, but do we fully, truly understand what's going on behind the scenes, fully know the history, the details, all behind the curtain meeting schemes that plays a role into even the politics of all of this? 
because we know that there is a lot of politics involved in all of this stuff as well. But we also know that the Lord uses, if he can, even a donkey to do his will. And we know that he moves chips around to do whatever he can to fulfill what prophecy says is going to happen. And if he has to uh, bring foolish men to make foolish decisions and to do certain things, things happen. But God, and I've said this always, is in control. And he's leading the way and he's putting the pieces where they need to be. So there is a reason, though. There's a reason why this is such a big deal, why we've mentioned this twice, and I'm sure almost every other church has also mentioned this, why all eyes are on this matter. There is, it is a big deal, and it's that Israel is at war. As soon as it happened, it popped up, your phone started to get image, um, screen, uh, screen notifications, Israel's at war. I know mine did, and I think we were at the leader's retreat, and I looked at someone, I said, Israel's at war. And those are my exact words, as, as I said that to someone last week, because it's a big deal. And everyone, I knew from there, everyone's going to talk about this. But I started to think, and I'm glad that Lou said that, that from the beginning of time, maybe it's because of this. It's because the Lord has always called them His. I, I want to read a scripture. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. It says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord God. This is speaking to Israel. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possessions out of all the peoples who are on the face of this earth. What's caught so much attention, though, that we've seen because of the, this moment that we're in is the graphic and the inhumane atrocities that we see in, how, in which Hamas is killing and, and taking in individuals and what they're doing. It's, it's, it's really struck the, the heart of individuals. But we see in the Old Testament that there's a heart and there's a purpose for Israel. I, I, I love when people speak bad about Jews, but then they speak good about Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus was a Jew. It's, it's the Homer Simpson thing where you go into the, into the trees like, dude, you didn't know that? Jesus is a Jew. And not only was he a Jew, but, but he practiced in, in all the Jewish feasts. He, he celebrated them all. He did everything that a Jew would do. He made sure that he did it all. In, in 700 B.C., not only in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, but Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 2, calls Jerusalem the holy city. God calls Jerusalem, Isaiah 45, 13, he says, my city. Scripture calls Jerusalem, in Psalm 48, 1, the city of God. And in Isaiah 1.26, the city of righteousness. Think about all these scriptures in the Old Testament. God calls Jerusalem his holy city. And it's not because Jerusalem is sinless. No, they are. They were and they are with sin. It's not that they're without sin. But it, there's something in the plan and in the purpose of God. Notice this. Israel is always in the news. We've been to Israel a few times. And I remember asking one of the tour guides, how is it here? And she says, you'll be amazed. Some of my best friends are Palestinians. I have tea with them. And I get with them occasionally. A Jewish woman telling me that. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because in America, they really do a good job telling us how much you all hate each other. And she's like, no. My best friends are Palestinians, and we love each other. It's just, there's crazy people everywhere. 
We have some crazy people on our side, the Jewish people. We got some crazy people on their side, like terrorists as we see them in Hamas. Not every Palestinian is a terrorist. Like when September 11th happened, so many people just looked at Muslims. Not saying that we agree with their faith and all that stuff. Obviously, don't get that twisted. What I'm trying to say is they're not all bad. They're not gonna, they don't have all the mindset of I'm going to blow you up. Or I'm going to come into your school. Like they, they don't all think like that. It is a psychotic group of individuals that are like that. So I want us to really have the heart of God when it comes to all of this. And I want us to see this. Jerusalem has always been seen with great importance in Scripture. I remember when we went on our first trip, we came out of a mountain from Jerusalem, and they played a song of Jerusalem on the bus, and the bus driver, or the tour, I forgot who it was, said, everyone move to the left of the bus and look towards the left. And we come out, we see the light in the darkness, it's there, we're almost at the light, we come to the light out of the cave, and when we look to the left, it's the city of Jerusalem. And right there, they said, look to the left, and you see the city of God. And the dome was there, and the city was there, compact. And I said, wow, the land that Jesus walked in. The land that we will all reside in one day. So there's, there's, it's, it's important to know this. There's a piece of land also in Jerusalem that's there that is crucial and of utmost importance to both Muslims, and I'm glad that he said that, and to Jews. And what is that land known as? It's the Temple Mount. And it's crucial to both those camps. And we know it goes way back from two brothers. Here they are fighting, which the kingdom of Jordan now has role, ownership, and governance over that land. Not Israel, the kingdom of Jordan. But the Jews long and pray. If you've been there, you've seen them by the walls. The woman on one side, the man on the other side on the western wall praying and putting prayer petitions every day. And they're praying They're praying against that wall day and night. And if you really have a conversation with them, their desire is to build the third temple right there in that site. They want to build another temple. They want to do all that and put all that into place again. Where Solomon's temple once stood, where Herod's temple once stood. And that is why they're there. And they're waiting for the opportunity to build there a third one. And and they say that they have all the elements and all the pieces ready, ready for the third temple. They have almost everything ready to go. It's all there saved in a a warehouse museum. And as soon as the temple's built, they're going to bring all these artifacts in. And they're going to start the process of the third temple. And you and I on that day are going to say, uh-oh, this is fulfillment of Scripture. The third temple is being mentioned. Jerusalem is very important. Israel is very important for the world and the direction that we're going to go. What a great day and what a great prophecy fulfillment that will be on that third temple. But what we see today is, yes, Hamas, and I love that he shared uh, the the origin of that word, that terrorism, that violence at its fullest. To bring fear is what they do. That's what terrorists do, to bring fear. Fear. And what does God do? It's not to bring fear. It's to give you power, love, a sound mind, but not that you would be bedridden with fear. The enemy wants to bring fear into our lives, and God wants to free us from fear. So terrorists with the 
Obviously, the heart of Satan, the lead of the enemy, comes in and does these things to bring fear, to have control, to take over. So we pray as a church. We pray for everyone involved, and we will do that, and we will continue to do that. So who do we pray for? Well, I'll start off with the ones that maybe we don't want to mention. Here it is. We pray for the Palestinians. We pray for them as well. We pray for Palestinians who are perishing, and you know many of them are in disagreement with Hamas. We pray for them. We pray for the Jewish people, whether soldiers, men, women, children, elderly. We've seen some of the sights. We've heard some of the things. We pray also for the Americans that are also in the number of those who have died and anyone else who's affected, the families that are aching, parents and children that are aching and are broken and will continue to be in the days to come. We pray, amen? Our job as a church is to pray. We're going to pray. But I've been thinking about this leading from last weekend to this Sunday, and I said, but what am I going to say? What am I going to share? What should I say? To people, when, when they call me, how do I address it? When I come on Sunday, do I just share another message and just not even address this to pretend it doesn't exist? What do I tell people when they ask me? What is your view? What is your thoughts? Because I have all that stuff in my mind. But there's a lot of thoughts here, man. There's a lot of things going on in my mind, in my heart when it comes to this. So it has me thinking. I said, well, and I wrote some of these things down in my notes. I said, we could talk about the end times. That's what we could do today. We could talk about the end times. I'm sure a lot of churches are pausing and they're jumping into Thessalonians and Revelation and Ezekiel and Daniel. I'm sure they're getting into all these things. We could, we could speak about the end times. We could dive into what we would call eschatology. We could do this thing, study the end times. We could look at all the different views and decide for each personally which one makes the most sense. I'm going to rub some of you a little bit here, especially those that have been in the church for a long time. We can look at pre and mid and post-tribulation. We could look at pre-wrath and every other kind of doctrine and theology of end times that's out there. We could look at every single one and take weeks to break down every single one. And in each one of those, when we teach them, I'm sure something inside of you will be like, hmm, that sounds right. We'll do a teaching on pre-trib, like, that sounds good. We'll do one on mid, like, I could get some of that. We could do one on post-trib, like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I could talk a little bit about pre-wrath and all these. Oh, that sounds pretty good, too. And then I'm going to come to you and say, so which one do you believe in? There's all kinds of views, and there's all kinds of things that we could look at when we begin to study the Scripture. And I get what you're saying, but shouldn't we stand on one? Even though as you read each one and study each one, you may come to a place to, oh, man, I don't know exactly which one I stand on. Listen, since I was a young Christian, since I came to the Lord, I was always taught pre-tribulation. I just want you to know that if it does happen and people begin to disappear and then they start to say, I don't know, crazy things, maybe they'll say alien invasions or, and you get left behind, um, that's going to be a very important part for you if you do get left behind. And that's what they always taught us. And I was always fearful as a kid. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. What do I do? I don't. And I saw movies like Left Behind. And I said, I don't want to be in a plane and the pilot is raptured. I don't want to be in the car and the car coming at me is raptured. That guy's raptured. Like, this is not going to be good on many things. And, and the rapture scared me. I love that he said that. Like, prophecy is not to bring fear. It actually, to the Christian, 
should bring preparation and excitement. Because how many times have you heard me sing this song in church? Because soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. So when these prophecies begin to be fulfilled, like who thought that Israel would become a nation again? And boom, instantly, from one day to another, they became a nation and they shocked the world. Anything can happen when God's ready to fulfill prophecy. It doesn't matter what armies, what weapons, and what men rise up. The army of God always wins. Not Israel. The armies of God always wins. God's plan, God's will always wins. So since I was young, I was always taught pre-trib. And my goodness, every fabric of my being hopes and prays for it so that I could be raptured up very quickly. But that's what I was always taught. I was always taught that, that there's going to be a rapture of the bride of Christ. How many of you were taught that or heard that, saw that, saw the movie, bought the shirt and the hat? All right. There's going to be a rapture of the bride of Christ. It's going to usher in seven years tribulation on earth. That seven years will be split. And I'm not giving you all the details right now. Three and a half years and three and a half years. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist will cause terror, have control with his sidekick. Yep, the false prophet. And they'll do things like attack Christians and others that were left behind who do not want to take the mark of the beast. They decide instead to die for Jesus. I mean, you're like, wow, that's going to be a crazy day. Um, guys, it's already happening all over the world. People today, as we're having this kind of message, this kind of gathering, are putting their life on the line. Some won't make it. They will die today as we speak for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that happens? You don't need the Antichrist to rise up because the spirit of the Antichrist is already in this world. People are already dying for their faith. People are already being killed. Families are being taken from their homes. So it's already happening. We're just a little more blessed here, obviously, in America where we haven't seen this. But he will rise up against Christians this is what I was taught since I was little. And then comes the next half of the seven years, a section of three and a half years where the Antichrist turns now towards Israel and all the Jews with great wrath, as we know it as Jacob's trouble. So we, we would know as tribulation martyrs is already done with. And now Jacob's trouble is at hand. And when the seven years is complete, there's going to be a great battle. How many of you have heard this stuff? Of Armageddon and the false prophet Antichrist will be destroyed and Satan will be thrown into abyss, a holding place for a thousand years, which will then usher something called the millennial kingdom, a millennial reign. Ever heard of this stuff? We're like, oh my God, the earth is going to burn and die. No, it's not. We still have, according to this, a millennial kingdom that's going to take place on earth. A millennial reign, a thousand-year reign, it says. And then in that a thousand-year millennial kingdom reign here on earth, that after that is done, there's gonna, it's going to be a beautiful thousand years. Christ is going to reign. Jerusalem will be a headquarter during that time. But then there is this last battle. And we know that there's a battle there of Satan and his forces of evil. And then comes this great white throne judgment where everyone will stand before God's great white throne judgment. And in that great white throne judgment... There's people that will be thrown into the, uh, will be entering into the eternal kingdom, which is now established and will fall, which is the new heavens, the new earth, 
and the new Jerusalem and all of hell, the devil, all fallen angels, the antichrist, false prophet, all of them will be thrown. Now all of hell is said into this lake of fire. Ever heard all this stuff? Isn't it fun? This is intense stuff when you start to read this as a young Christian. Like, whoa, this is going to happen. All these things are going to take place. So is this right? Is this right, the stuff that I'm summarizing? Well, the answer is it depends who you ask. It all depends who you ask. It depends who you ask and what view they stand on. So here's the next question. (laughs) Does it matter? Yeah. And no, but yeah. It does matter. It doesn't matter, but it does matter. But it doesn't matter. But every bit of it does matter. It's one of those weird things about Scripture and about God's heart. It matters fully. But then it doesn't matter. Uh, Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Because we can share two, three, four other views than the one that I just shared. And I know I left some things out. And we could still say, like I said earlier, hmm, that sounds right. That sounds good. This is why I said yes and no, 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 yeah, but yes. Because the next question is, so then what do we do now? What do we do now? This is important. Because that we know. What we do now is important. Like, don't say like, oh, like if the rapture stuff happens, like that's when I'll start taking things seriously. Um, You fall under the category of, yes, everything I just said matters. (laughs) But to the follower of Jesus, no. Why? Because we believe that we're already walking in the end times. And we have a calling for the age that we're living in right now. So for the one that's not following Jesus, yeah, it matters. Yes and no, no and yes. But here it is. What do we do now? Because we know what to do now. We may not know all the details of the future and how it will all take place, though there is going to be some things that are going to take place. I do, guys, please, I do believe there is a new heavens, and I do believe there is a new earth, and I do believe there is a new Jerusalem. Years ago, I posted it on the screen, the picture of the new Jerusalem falling on this earth and this awesome, amazing cube-like structure, which is going to be like something you've never seen. The new Jerusalem is going to be a beautiful city. The new Jerusalem is going to be a city where the presence of God dwells in and the people of God, the bride of Christ dwells in. The new Jerusalem kings of the new earth will walk in and give gifts to the king of kings. I mean, it's going to be an amazing city. It's going to be so amazing that you don't have to turn off the lights the lights off at night because there is no night. There is no sun. There is no moon. There is no stars. And guess what? Every single one of his 12 gates, the doors always remain open. Why? Because there's safety at all times. Why is there always safety? It's a world that you don't know. It's called a new world. It's a new Jerusalem. It's a new city. It's a new earth. And it's new heavens. And all of that is going to be forever. It's an eternal Heavenly kingdom. I can't wait for that. You guys have plans? You got, you got your tickets ready? I'm scared on some of the faces that I'm seeing that you don't have your tickets ready. Get your tickets. I'm going to be in the new Jerusalem. Catch me there. Around where? What corner? What street? You want to know what street I'm going to be on? The street that Jesus' feet are on. I'll be right there. I'll be at the feet of Jesus. How many of y'all want to meet me there? Want to to meet me there? All right, cool. We'll drink some holy coffee. 
anointed with sugar that won't affect your body. Who knows? I mean, it's going to be amazing. Here it is. What do we do now? Well, we know what to do. We may not know the details, but we know exactly what to do. And this is some good conversation we're going to start having now. Here's what we should do. Ready? What's your focus right now? I want you to think about your aim. Okay. When you wake up in the morning, instantly, what does your mind run to? Oh, I got to go make money. God is your money. You're not taking that money to the New Jerusalem. Oh, I got to hang out with those people. Those people are your idols. Sin. Uh, uh, Maybe it's not something that's sin. I don't know. I mean, I I won't pass the mic off for that. That's stuff that you need to figure out. But here it is. Ready? What we do now is focus on Jesus, not always on the ends. This is why we need to keep this in mind, in focus. Keep in mind the end. Keep in focus, yes, the, the end. But your aim, your view, your, your vision, it should always be Jesus. Listen, your obsession should always be Jesus. Your love should always be Jesus. I know people that don't show that much love for Jesus, but they do show a lot of love for end times conversation. They're so obsessed about the Antichrist that they forgot to be obsessed with Jesus the Christ. And I'm like, hey, you know more about the Antichrist than the Christ. We need to have our obsession right, our love right. So here is my end time message to you. And here's what we do now. Today's message is titled, What Do We Do Now? And it's a conversation, and I'm just going to read scriptures. And if you feel like talking, I'll give you a mic or talk loud. Because I don't know if I can speak about anything else And I don't know if I could speak on this fully by myself. I need to talk to my brothers and sisters today. In Joel chapter 2, the prophet Joel prophesies about the return of the Lord and about the great call of repentance of that day. Have you ever read Joel chapter 2? Look at these verses. I'm going to read a section of it. Verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Verse 29, even on the male and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. I mean, what an amazing scripture. Joel chapter 2, he is prophesying, and this was fulfilled. If you've ever, and we're going to get into now the New Testament, this is what we do now, church. Joel said there's going to be a great day, and the Holy Spirit is going to fall on all people. And I want to challenge the church, if I could challenge you with anything, have conversation on anything, is on this passage right here and in Acts that we're going to get into. Here it is. The fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 began began on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were gathered in the upper room and they were waiting in, guess where? Anyone want to take a guess where they were waiting? In Jerusalem. And they were waiting for what was called the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised them in Acts chapter 1, if you're taking notes, verses 4 and 5. And as they were there, the outpouring of the Spirit came 
And in that room, on that great day, there was 120 followers of Jesus, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to praise God in other tongues. And Jerusalem in that day was crowded, crowded at that time, because the Feast of Pentecost was at hand. And the crowd gathered quickly because they heard the commotion and, and everyone wanted to know what was going on in that upper room. And those who heard the disciples praise God, they, 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 they started to run over there and try to say, like, what's going on? And, and, the, and they began to say things like, look at them, they're crazy. Look at the morning time. They're all drunk. They're all speaking in different languages. They're speaking in tongues. And the disciples, they're going to make the record straight. They're not drunk at all. Peter stands up boldly, sets the record straight and says, we're not drunk. But the fulfillment of Joel's great prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is at hand. And that's what you're seeing here today in Jerusalem. What a marvelous day that was. There's certain clips in the New Testament that I wish I could be at. And you've heard me say that before. This is one of them. Where, there, where, where, where there's an outpouring now all over Scripture, the Holy Spirit fills people. He filled Samson. He filled David. He filled the men of David. You see Scriptures that say the Holy Spirit filled them to do a specific duty. But now the Holy Spirit is indwelling in the sons and daughters of God. So what do you do now? What do we do now? We do this, right? What Scripture is saying, is this not what the Lord wants from us? Tom was here last weekend. Did you hear his message? What a perfect and timely message. Is this now what the Holy Spirit wants to do or work in us and through us? So let's go to, fast forward from Joel's prophecy. Now let's go to the future, to Acts chapter 2. It says that when the day of Pentecost had arrived, check this out. They were all together. Where were they all together at? Mm-hmm. And they were together. They were not divided. They were together. They were not broken. They were together. They weren't beefing. They weren't speaking ill of each other. They weren't finding faults in each other. The church was together. And together they were seeking the Lord. And they were in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound. Oh, Lord, how I wish to hear that sound right here at our nest. And it came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the church. What were they filled with? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? What do you do now? I hope and pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope the Holy Spirit. How do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you being convicted of your sin? Not really. You're probably not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. Are you being led to Jesus daily? Not really. Then the Holy Spirit leads you to Jesus. You're probably not filled with the Holy Spirit. But I speak in tongues. I don't care. You speak in tongues, but you don't love people? You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You just learned how to mumble a bunch of consonants probably. Now, you do speak in tongues, and you love people, and then praise God. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm now, listen, I love the speaking in tongues. I really do. I love it. But when you grow in the Lord, you recognize, oh, wait, there's so much more than that. We can't get so fixed on one thing and get so weird about one thing. 
that we forget to actually do the work of God here on the land? And say, well, you know what? I have a prayer closet and there I speak in tongues. Oh, cool. How about a community that are all perishing and going to hell? Have you reached them for the gospel? No, not really, but I'm praying for them in my prayer closet. That's not being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Nest Church says, I hope so. I hope you can really say yes, OBA, amen, I believe in that. Come on, I'm, I'm asking if we're living in this moment. Well, that's Acts. That's like the days of the... Di- no, you're Acts. You're Acts. We're living in the days of the disciples. I'm Acts. We're living in the days of the disciples. Hey, seriously, seriously, if I come here in the next week or two and I say, hey, guys, we're going to have church at South Beach at this corner. I have a... I have a uh, a speaker up, we're going to do a song or two of worship, I'm going to preach out in the open, we're going to pray for the sick, we're going to cast out demons, we're going to do the works of the gospel out in the streets and, and walk out of these four walls and see the church come alive. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm going to be there, I'm going to go, we're acts, we are, we are acts, we're the acts of the disciples, we, yes, the act of the Holy Spirit, we want to see that, we want to see that, we, we, we want to see and fill heaven with souls, Lord, use us. Divided tongues fell upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, chapter 2, the book of Acts. Now there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And the sound, <clears throat> and at this sound, the multitude. Yeah. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. Can you imagine that? How many of you guys heard the Watoto kids? I walked into their bus to say bye to them, and they were all speaking Swahili, I think it was. It's called Uganda. It's called Uganda? Luganda. Luganda. Well, I had no idea what they were saying. I walked into that bus, and they were all saying things, and I said, they could all be talking about me. Yeah. I have no idea. Here he is. He's in the bus. And they were all, I don't want it to sound like a mockery, but they were, you know, they were saying their thing. Can you imagine if I walk into that bus, and I just start speaking their language, and they're like, this guy knew what we were saying. That's what happened in Acts. People from all over, different languages show up, and the Holy Spirit falls on the church, and guess what they do? They begin to speak all their languages, and they're declaring the gospel, the, the name of Jesus, and they're all freaking out. Can you imagine if you begin... Oh, man, here it is. Ready? Catch this revelation. Here it is. Watch this. Can you imagine if you begin to speak the language of the drug dealer and they get saved? Can you imagine if you begin to speak the language of the harlot and she gets saved? Can you imagine if you begin to speak the language of the homosexual and they get saved? Can you imagine if you begin to speak the language of that sinner and they get saved? Imagine when they start looking at you and seeing you with your lives and they say, oh my God, there's something different about them. And it's because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and he gives us utterance to speak the language of the lost so that they could come to know Jesus. Can you imagine a church like that? How many of you can imagine a church like that? Well, guess what? I am praying and I am longing that we could begin to walk to be a church like that. Not so caught up to fill up a Sunday service. That would be great. But not if we're not doing nothing on Tuesday afternoon. What good was our Sunday service when we're heathens on Wednesday at 3 p.m.? Come on, church, what do we do now? Are you filled with the Spirit? Is this word encouraging you? Correcting you, rebuking you, loving you, hugging you, rubbing you, I don't know. And at the sound of the multitude, they came together and they were bewildered. Look at this. How is it that we hear each of of us in his own native language 
And then they began to speak where they're from. I, I, I probably can't pronounce all these guys because I'm not biblically, theologianly mastered in this area, but Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and, and all these other places in Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome and both Jews and proselytes and Cretans and Arabians. We hear them in, in our own tongues and the mighty works of God. And, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then there's always in a group of people mockers saying they're filled with wine. <laughs> there's a crowd saying, whoa, God is crazy. Look what God is doing. And then the other people are like, shh, that's not true. That's, they're drunk. You have family members like that? Don't go to church. That pastor steals your money. Can you imagine that? Don't go there. They're all hypocrites. And then there's another group. Wow, you're going to church? God's good. Like, this always has happened. How, how many of you find Acts chapter 2 cool? I have no notes on this. So, church, what do we do now? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Hey, let's keep reading because I'm going to ask some of you guys some questions and then I'm done. Here it is. But Peter, Joel chapter 2 is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And Peter stands up with the other 11 and he lifts up his voice. I say 11, you're like, oh, what happened? Didn't Judas die? Yes, but remember they, right before this, they, they voted another man in. Matthias came in. So there's 12 again. He lifted up his voice and he says, men of Judea, everyone who dwells in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. It's early, man. It's early morning. But this is what was said through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall come to be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Come on, didn't we just read that in Joel chapter 2? Why are we reading that again in Acts chapter 2? Because it's a fulfillment. It's happening. It's happening, man, right here before our very own eyes. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor of smoke, sun shall be turned to darkness, moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it came to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He quotes Joel chapter 2, man, perfectly crosses every T, dots every I. Verse 22, he says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Come on, this is good stuff here. Verse 23, this Jesus, everyone say this Jesus. Yes, come on, say this Jesus. Mm-hmm, that Uncle Jesus, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you, you, listen to what he says, crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God now, God, you did this, but look what God did. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Come on, here it is. I'm going to quote some Old Testament stuff again. Um, Peter says, verse 25, for David says concerning Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me, for he's at my right hand, that I may not be forsaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. 
Church, what do you do now? Are you getting the answer? I have no notes. I just have read verses I'm reading. I really don't know what to tell you. I'm just hoping that the scripture is telling you what it needs to tell you. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is telling you what it needs to tell you, what he needs to tell you. Oh, let's skip some verses. What do we do now? Everyone say, what do I do now? Okay, you're getting it a little bit. Verse 37 says, now, when they heard Peter's sermon, if you study this theologian, study and break down Peter's sermon, it says it is one of the most craziest sermons ever. Peter was all over the place. Didn't have a correct structure, didn't have a three-point message, didn't have an amazing slideshow with videos. Like, seriously, all joking aside, it wasn't a perfectly developed message as biblical people do today before they get up before an audience to preach a sermon. He just shared as the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And look what what it says in verse 37. It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Someone back here in this corner. What does that mean to be cut to the heart? Huh? They were convicted. Church, have you ever been cut to the heart? You ever heard God speak so clearly that you were cut to the heart? I'm not talking about like the Miami Hurricanes blew another game yesterday and I was cut to the heart. (laughs) That's not being cut to the heart. That's not being cut to the heart. The Gator fan over here is like, good for you. That's not being cut to the heart. Has the Holy Spirit ever spoken and you've been cut to your heart? Hey, church, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you cut to the heart? If you're being cut to the heart today, this is a good sign. That means you're alive and the Holy Spirit is not done. He wants to do a work in you. If you're getting cut to the heart today and you're breathing like this, oh my God, like what is this guy going to stop and all these things. Like it's good. It's good. This is a good place for you to be at today because you want to know Israel's at war. You want to know that prophecies are being fulfilled. You want to know that there's going to be a great day of the Lord. But I want you to know that before all these things come right now, this moment, at this present time is the most important time for you is the Holy Spirit filling you today. Don't nod your head and don't say yes to me and all that when we're saying, yeah, but I'm going to continue to live in my own sin while still say that the Holy Spirit is living in That's hypocrisy. Now, do we all struggle? Do we all have shortcomings? Do we all sin? Yes. You know what I did yesterday in the middle of a storm running and today this morning? I promise you, the whole run, I was saying, Lord, thank you for your patience over my sin. Thank you, Lord. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I run today and I run a run of repentance. That was my prayer. Why? Because I know that this heart needs repentance. I know that this heart needs God's love, compassion, grace, and patience. Because there's no way I can stand up here and say, I am the righteousness of Christ in its fulfillment. No. All of us fit in that category. Aren't we all constantly in desperate need of that? But there's there's that differentness of us that, man, we are convicted. We're getting cut to the heart. God is doing a work. Look what it says here. They were cut to the heart, and Peter and the rest of the apostles, they said, brothers, what shall we do? You know what they were asking? What do we do now? And Peter said to them, repent. You know what you should do right now? Israel's at war. Everyone say, Israel's at war. I feel like standing on this first row, man. You know what we should do right now? Repent. But I've already repented. Awesome. Let's cry, cry out and call others to repentance. Look what he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive. Come on, church. Have you? Do you? Is it? 
If is he, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. There's a song that's called The Blessing, and it's based off this verse. It's, it's a promise that's for you and for your children and for your children and for everyone that's afar off. And with many other words, he bore witnesses and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves, save yourselves. What do I need to save myself from, Pastor Crazy? Save yourself from this crooked generation. You think this is going to be the only war? No. Listen, look, I could have done this. Ready? Uh, I sent some of you guys a video yesterday. Forgive me. It was like at 11 o'clock at night. Just wanted to stir you up for this message. But um, like if you hear something about China and Russia, if you hear stuff about Iran and Russia, and they're going to start to, like those are warning things. Like those are like, uh-oh, yeah, like um, this is like, yeah, this is getting real. But we're not there now. So what do you do now? You can't worry about what is Russia going to do. What is China going to do? Is China and Russia... All you could do right now is answer this question. Is the Holy Spirit filling your life? Are you being filled? Look at this, guys. Let's keep reading the scripture. So beautiful. (sighs) Many other words were spoken and bore witness and continued to exhort them. And this is what they began to say. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who received were baptized. They were added that day about three thousand souls revival in the hearts of men so we are at war how many of you know that israel's at war how many of you know we're going to wrap this up that you're at war you're at war and sometimes we need a sunday like this to be reminded sometimes we need a physical war like israel to remind us sometimes our values need to be challenged to remind us sometimes our religion our churches our brothers and sisters need to be put to the test to remind us oh wait a minute Tom shared about it last Sunday. We are actually at war, not against each other, but against powers and principalities, rulers of darkness of this age. Church, welcome to warfare. A Christian always is at war. It's on this side of heaven, this side of the resurrection, but we're not at war with people. Tom said it perfectly. It's not a war with flesh and blood. Paul says, Ephesians 6, 12, principalities, powers, and heavenly places. There's a battle that is going on, Scripture says, with demonic powers. And so the question is, how do we respond to demonic powers? Demonic powers aren't easily fought as people. We culture war with our... You don't vaporize principalities and powers with arguments. You don't outvote principalities and powers. The devil doesn't fear any of those things. What the devil fears is church. Here it is. Come on. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if we're going to fight this war, we have to be anchored. We need to be defined by the gospel of the kingdom. And that changes the way that we relate with our opponents, with this world, that I would rather use this gospel when it comes to human beings that I disagree with because they may be our opponents on the issue or that issue or maybe an entire range of issues, but they aren't created in the image of God. They're, cre- sorry, they're created in the image of God. So what is the force behind their argument? Think about these things for a moment. They're created in the image of God and they are potentially at least our future, maybe possibly brothers and sisters in Christ if they're not in him yet, and maybe even potentially future leaders of the church. So we need to keep that in mind as we're arguing. So here is what I wrote down. Fight for each other. For the church. For the gospel. 
Don't let things and arguments separate you, divide you. When there's a division in the church, when there's a brother that comes up and says, oh, you guys, I'm like, ah, there it is again. There it is again, that, that old liar, yeah. the devil behind that lie, the arguments, the, the battles between one another. Fight, church. Fight for unity. Aim for unity. Listen to these words that I wrote down. A divided family, a divided church will not usher in or walk in the power that God has designed it to walk in. It's not going to happen. So, as we ask these questions today, what do we do now? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Listen to these. Look at, look at all these scriptures, guys. It just goes on. In Acts 5, it says that there were many signs and wonders. They were done by the people and by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together. I mean, signs and wonders. And then high priests began to rose up, rise up. Let's arrest these apostles. Let's arrest the church. They're doing signs. They're healing the sick. Do you know that the Bible says that Peter's very own shadow... Uh, it's that prayer of, hey, pastor, pray for my shadow. Peter's very own shadow was, was, was touching the sick and, 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 and healing. And, and you look at this, and like, what were these people functioning in? The, the high priest begin to get jealous in verse 17. They begin to arrest. And they bring in Peter and some of the disciples before the council. And the high priest says to them, we, we charge you not to teach in the name of Jesus you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring that man's blood upon us, Jesus. And Peter and the apostle says, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. Look at this, verse 31. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Does God want to do signs and wonders and miracles in the church today? No, no, that's just for the book of Acts. The heck it is, it's for us today. When they heard this, it says they were enraged and they wanted to kill Peter. They wanted to kill some of the apostles. And then there was a Pharisee that came up, Gamaliel, and he's a teacher of the law. And he said this to the men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do and vote on here. You can't kill these men. Look what he says. For before these days, Theodos, another man, another man that you and I don't know of, but Gamaliel decides to speak about him, he rose up claiming to be a somebody, and a number of men, about 400 joined him, but he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and they came to nothing. And after him, there was another man named Judas, Judas the Galilean. Remember him? And you could see all the people in the Sanhedrin saying, yeah, I remember him. And look what he says. He says, after him, Judas the Galilean rose up, and he drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Listen to what he says now, ready? So in this present case that we're seeing now with Peter and the disciples, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this is the plan, if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And when they had called the apostles in, they beat them, charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. What do you think the disciples did? They were scared for their lives and they went home, right? 41, here it is. They left the presence of the council that just beat them and told them, shut your mouth. Rejoicing 
that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Next verse. And every day in the temple and from the house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Guys, what do we do now? Put on Acts. Look, you guys just read what we just said. I, I don't have no more scriptures, but look at these, look at these, look at this. Watch this. After everything that we just said, look at Acts 7. You guys read that? Put the next verse. Look at Acts 12, 24. Put the next verse. Look at Acts 19, 20. This was not a time where the disciples and Peter and the early church was walking down fields of daisies and sunflowers and saying, we live in the best days ever. No, these were days where they were being persecuted, being burnt alive. Nero would rise up. One of the worst men to ever live on this earth, persecute Christians, Jews. And look what's happening as they're receiving some of the greatest persecutions of all time. The Lord continues to increase and prevail. The word of the Lord continues to spread and increase. So guys, all I could ask you is, what do we do now? What do we do? Pass this back. Every sermon like this deserves bookends, a starting point, an ending point. Breaking news. Do we know that phrase today? Breaking news. Jerusalem Gazette. Israel at war. The other book in. Jesus' Gazette. We win. We're going... We're going to go home. We win. We win. You saw those three verses that came up? You saw that even through persecution, I love that he said that they were winning. The gospel was spreading. The church was multiplying. The, the spirit of the living God will not perish, does not die. We win. Anyone else? So you could pass the mic. Pass the mic. Amen. When I was reading those verses, I remembered another verse that said that heaven and earth shall pass, but his word will remain forever. And when you were talking about um, that it like stirred the heart or something like that, that what it, what's it stirring in your heart, and it reminded me of the parable of the virgins. You know, if we actually believe that we're the church of God, 
you know, that we are the bride, are we ready? You know, it talks about, it says the kingdom of God is like the ten virgins. There were five that were foolish, and it speaks about them um, having oil, you know, and that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the foolish didn't have the oil. They knew that the uh, bridegroom was coming, but they didn't prepare themselves. And then the five wise ones, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had the oil. So it's like, I want to be the wise ones. You know, we know that the Lord is coming. We know that all this is going to lead to us winning. Like, you know, our brother was saying, we are going to win in the end. But are we, and when you were saying, is this important? Yes. And is it important? No. So is, are you the foolish or are you the wise? If you're the wise, you know you're ready. You know that it doesn't matter if it's going to be before or after. We are going to be ready. I want to be ready. And that's what's like stirring my heart. My heart is like pounding so hard. It's like I want to be ready. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So our eyes should be on Jesus, on doing his will. And there's another verse that says, Maranatha. You know, we're waiting for the Lord. He's coming. So let just that be our encouragement to get out of here, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Want to, um, you know, bring out good fruit like we were, you know, studying before. Let's continue to sow seeds. Let's continue to love on people. Let's continue to be people of peace and not of war. People that will love others and just be the church. Just be, you know, the, the bride that's waiting for the bridegroom. You know, I just want to encourage you with that. Amen. So beautiful. Amen. Amen. Anyone else want to share anything? Man. Does anyone need prayer today and that the brothers and sisters could come alongside you and pray for you and anything? It's a beautiful day to do that. No? It could be scary. I know, like, oh no, like, it's all good. We're probably dealing with something similar. But if anyone needs prayer, we don't want you to leave here without us praying for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stretch out our hands. Let's pray for her. And Lord, we pray for Gia. We pray for her delivery. If there's worry, if there's concerns that have come up, you are the great physician. You are a good father. We pray, Lord God, that you would be with her and that she would go through labor well and fine, that she would be, Lord God, healed and healthy and that the baby would be healed and healthy. We pray that her and her husband, her family would be a testimony to all those that are there, all those that will nurse her, the doctors, the nurse, and that they would see the light of Christ in that room through these patients be with them, cover them, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If the Lord is with us, we don't have to have fear and worry about what else is to come. It's to be settled and live in peace, knowing that he, He's done it. He's doing it and has done it. And we are His and he is ours. What do we do now? Live out your repentance. Live out your salvation. And call others to that salvation and to that repentance. That's what we should do now because 
of the time that we're in, he's closer. He's closer and closer with each day. His return is sooner with each day. Amen. All right, we're good. Should we end? All right, we'll end. Amen. If anyone feels led to pray for anything in the silence of this moment, just pray. questions at your feet, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every family that's in this place today. I thank you for who they represent this morning, Father. I pray, Lord, that as we make our way homes today, God, that we will continue to just stay rooted in your word, in faith, in truth, Father God, that you may strengthen us as we continue, as the days go on, Father, that the words that we speak are your words, Lord Jesus that the things that, that um, stay in our hearts are things, Father, that are heavy in your heart, Lord, that our prayers will change, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for what you're doing. We bless your name, Father. We bless your name in our life, in our homes, in our workplace. I pray that a spark begins to burn in every person that's in this room right now that as we stand up, we stand up knowing that we stand for your name, that our faith grows with every day, that as we read your word, we are more rooted in it. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. fill our hearts fill our hearts with expectation and with joy Holy Spirit fill us fill us with boldness with courage, with strength that we would be ready in season and out of season that we would plow the ground water the ground, plant that in this great garden that you've called us, that we would do a job well done, Lord God, that we would please you and put a smile on your face, that we would honor you, that, Lord, you've called us as missionaries, as disciples, the prophets of this age, Lord God, that many would come to know you because of this group, 
and to come and fall humbly, Lord, at the feet of Jesus. Move us in power and filling us with confidence. As we said, Lord, knowing that you win as you've won, you win, you won, you win, you won. We thank you, Lord. What do we do now? And Lord, we hear you say, Go, therefore, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them. Teach them everything that I've taught you. Share it with them. Teach it to them. And know this, that I am with you to the end of time. So Lord, your disciples, your sent out ones are here. And that's what we do now. We go out with the boldness and the confidence that is found in Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill us. Thank you for a beautiful morning. Thank you because we know that as Israel is at war, that your hand is there, that you would touch and heal and restore, that you would bring peace, that you would comfort, that you would heal nations, brothers, that you would bring, Lord God, a true revival and remove scales from the eyes that Messiah would be known, that knees would fall and tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. Do a miracle there in the land. And as they're at war, we know we're at war. We know there's a constant war that we're in. But we know, Lord God, that this war is won by the word, Lord God, of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. This war is won. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give this moment to you. It's in Jesus' name. And together we all say, Nest, amen. Come on, give them some praise. Worthy. Amen. Go to war that you already won. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Your love.